The war in Afghanistan is officially over. The last American military plane has left the country, and yet the last American plane did not take the last American out. According to reports, there are hundreds of Americans left in Afghanistan, if not more. And yet, when you ask the Pentagon just how many Americans remain, this is the sort of non-answer you get. But are we, there, I would refer you to the State Department on, uh, on the, the, the numbers of Americans they're still in contact with. That's, that's uh, something for them to speak to. So you can't ask, uh, why would the Pentagon know? Why would we have any, you got to talk to the State Department. Then you ask the State Department, they don't really know either. A perfectly botched end to a perfectly botched withdrawal. But I would not hold my breath for answers or accountability. While Republicans are ready to impeach the government, this government, Afghanistan's new Taliban government is vowing to fight climate change. And public school teachers in New York City of all places are waking up and protesting the government's incompetence and power grab. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Sunshine Cool Water, who says, isn't it ironic that Joe is now the world's number one issuer of actual assault weapons without background checks? That is ironic. It's ironic, and yet maybe it's not. Maybe that's just the way it works. We go around the world arming all sorts of groups of people, some of whom are our allies, at least for a time, and then they're not our allies, and maybe they are our allies. again. We just arm everybody, except for Americans, who the liberal establishment Uh, is trying to disarm. If you want to arm yourself with the tools that you need to fix your car or truck, I would strongly recommend you check out rockauto.com. How much is your time worth to you? How much is your money worth to you? Would you, for instance, if you had the choice, would you go spend, uh, let's say 25 minutes driving to the auto parts store? At least it might be further than that, right? And then another, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes walking around the store, looking for the part. And then you don't find the part and you go to the guy and you wait in line and then you say, okay, finally you wait there, maybe what, five, 10 minutes. Then you you get to the front of the line and and the guy says, okay, what kind of car do you have? What kind of part do you need? What kind of this? And then he goes in the back. That's probably another five, 10 minutes. Then he doesn't have the part. And then he goes online, probably to rockauto.com, orders the part, charges you twice as much, and you got to wait for it to arrive. Or, or you go to rockauto.com, super easy catalog to navigate. So simple. Even I can do it. They've got all the parts. It's same prices for pros and do it yourselfers, reliably low prices. Just go to rockauto.com. Okay. Right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Knowles, Canada, W-L-E-S. And they're, how did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. So the reporters ask the Pentagon, Hey, Pentagon, how many Americans are left in Afghanistan? Seems like if, if the final American military plane is on the way out. We should probably have all the Americans, right? But you said we don't. So how many are there? And they say, oh, we don't don't know. You got to check with the State Department. Okay. Hey, Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, how many Americans are left in Afghanistan? Let me talk briefly about the Americans who remain in Afghanistan. We made extraordinary efforts to give Americans every opportunity to depart the country, in many cases talking and sometimes walking them into the airport. Of those who self-identified as Americans in Afghanistan who are considering leaving the country, we've thus far received confirmation that about 6,000 have been evacuated or otherwise departed. This number will likely continue to grow as our outreach and arrivals continue. We believe there are still a small number of Americans, under 200 and likely closer to 100, who remain in Afghanistan and want to leave. We're trying to determine exactly how many. We're going through manifests and calling and texting through our lists. 
and we'll have more details to share as soon as possible. Okay, so they get everyone out. First of all, they, they start to get the military out before they get the civilians out. That seems to not make a lot of sense to me. Then they finish getting the military out before they get the civilians out. That seems to make even less sense to me. And then they don't know how many Americans are still there who want to get out. So this is an important distinction. This is going to come up again in just a second. So pay attention. He's, he's determining which Americans want to get out and which Americans want to stay. Now, look, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to use my imagination, but I cannot think of very many reasons why an American would want to stay in Afghanistan which is not only under control of the Taliban right now, but actually in the midst of another civil war. Another civil war in which the Taliban are basically the good guys. I know the Taliban were just the bad guys for at least 20 years. Before that, they were kind of the good guys also, but at least as we were trying to figure out our strategy in Afghanistan. But right now, it's the Taliban versus ISIS. And ISIS, much, much badder than the Taliban. Also bad. Taliban's also bad, but it's a little confusing. Why would an American want to stay? Blinken's, Blinken says, uh, look, I don't know. I'm not going to answer why an American would want to stay, but the Americans who do want to stay, it's one or 200. And look, we're doing everything we can to get them out. But you know, they've been, look, they've been dragging their feet. Okay. Clarissa Ward, who is a very impressive reporter with CNN, never thought I would say that. She's still on the ground in Afghanistan. And she, she's the woman who you saw a couple of weeks ago say, you know, they're chanting death to America, but they seem sort of friendly. <laughs> and she's really doing great, great work out there. She is saying, no, I've talked to people here. The Americans haven't done very much to get the American civilians out. Actually, the American civilians haven't been able to get to the airport. I spoke earlier on in the day with a family of four from Houston, Texas. They told me they had been going to the airport for two weeks, trying desperately to get out. They all have American passports. They had gone to Afghanistan to visit the mother's family. And essentially, the issue was they couldn't get past the Taliban. They were in touch with the U.S. military. The military was trying to facilitate their departure. And they just, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get in touch. So uh, we're hearing from the Pentagon. Okay, the Pentagon is, we're reaching out and then talk to the State Department. All right, the State Department says we're texting and we're emailing. And then you talk to Clarissa Ward, who's talking to the actual Americans. They're saying, we're not getting anything from either the Pentagon or the State Department. So, okay, let's go back to the Pentagon. Hey, Pentagon, not that spokesman who doesn't know anything, but that other guy. Okay, hey, other guy at the Pentagon. What's going on with the American evacuation? No American citizens came out on the last, what we call the joint tactical exfiltration, the last uh, five jets to leave. Uh, we, we maintained the ability to bring them in up until immediately before departure, but we were not able to bring any Americans out. That activity ended probably about 12 hours before our exit, although we continued the outreach and would have been prepared to, to bring them on until the very last minute. But none of them made it to the airport and were able to be and were able to be accommodated. So none of them made it to the airport. So the last five planes, at least, these are big planes, the last five planes, at least, didn't have any American citizens on it. We're doing a really good job of evacuating Afghans, not doing as great a job evacuating Americans. Now, I want to, to be as fair as I possibly can here, because I think there's a caveat to all this that conservatives are not mentioning because conservatives are trying to just score political points on Joe Biden. F fair enough. Joe Biden completely botched this. But there, there is a caveat here, which is there are Americans who want to stay in Afghanistan. Okay. 
You just heard the Pentagon and the State Department refer to certain Americans who have families over there and who are living with their families over there. And so it's reminding you, many of the Americans who want to stay in Afghanistan, we're not talking about Barbie and Ken, okay? We're talking about Afghans who have become American citizens or they're American passport holders, but they still go to Afghanistan. They've lived in Afghanistan for a long period of time. So it's a little bit different, okay? If you strand an Afghan in Afghanistan, even if the Afghan has gotten American citizenship, it's different than stranding, I don't know, a Swede in Afghanistan. It just, it just looks different. It's different in terms of the way you can work with the culture, and it's, it's different even in terms of your security. But there's another group of Americans who are going to stay in Afghanistan, namely the CIA and other special operators. This is not, I, I, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but this isn't a conspiracy theory. The CIA already told us that they're going to stay. CIA Director William Burns told the Senate Intelligence Committee back in April that the CIA would not be leaving Afghanistan when the military did. Quote, the CIA will retain a suite of capabilities, some of them remaining in place. So it, it does seem to me when, when you're hearing from the Pentagon and the State Department and all, uh, and, and the White House for that matter, all of this vague talk, how many Americans are there? 100 or 300? or I don't know, maybe 500. But I, I suspect a lot of that is just to give cover to the special operators that we have, not just in Afghanistan, but everywhere else on earth. And so I don't, I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm defending Joe Biden's screw up here. I bet there are Americans who wanted to get out whom he left behind. I bet there, there was a much better way to do all of this. But also we, we do know there are at least some groups of Americans who do want to stay there, namely our special operators who are not just in Afghanistan, but they're, they're all over the place. Okay. Uh, does that, does that excuse what the white house has done here? I don't think so. I mean, it, it seems to me, even if you were going to leave a very small number of people in Afghanistan intentionally, you would have better messaging because Joe Biden said we would get out every American before we left. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops if, will if stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if, there are American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. So you see, Joe Biden, good politician, he's been around for a long time. He doesn't want to answer the question. He goes, yes. So are you going to get American citizens out, Mr. President? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make sure. You're going to make sure of what? Well, we're, hey, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do the thing and we're, and we're going to, and we're going to take time and yeah, right. But sir, are you going to, what are you going to do? You know, at the end of the time, if there's still Americans left, well, we're going to look into it. Okay. So Mr. President, what? Okay. We're going to stay until we get them out. That was the conclusion. Now, maybe he shouldn't have said that because it puts him in a very bad position right now. It wasn't just Biden. Jen Psaki said the same thing. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan? It's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. 
understand. Okay. It's very important for the American public to hear that we will not leave Americans who want to come home in Afghanistan. We're going to do it. We're obviously going to do that. We're going to leave them there. But I want the American public to hear that we will not. You know, if you want to watch out for your security, I would strongly recommend you check out Ring. When you are in your home, let's say you're in the back of your home. When you are at the office, okay, let's say maybe you're on vacation. Labor Day is coming up. And someone goes, knock, knock, knock. It's nice to be able to see and speak to whoever is at your door. If someone's going around the back of your house, nice to be able to see what's going on. If someone's in your house, really nice to know what's going on. You can do all of that with Ring Alarm. You can protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. And it's super inexpensive, not just to get, not just to get the actual product. I I love it so much. I'm getting it now for a relative of mine. I've given it to friends of mine as a housewarming gift. I really like, it's just pure peace of mind for me, especially when I'm on the road. But you can get it right now, even to protect it. You know those old expensive home security systems? You don't need that anymore, okay? Ring, you can keep it up every month, super low price. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. Get a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. Build a system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. Ring.com slash Knowles. Ring.com slash Knowles. Should Joe Biden be impeached? That is the question on the minds of some Democrats for that matter, but uh, a lot of Republicans right now. There's a Senate candidate in Ohio, uh, Josh Mandel, who is a strong Senate candidate. It's looking good. He's running against J.D. Vance over there in Ohio, another strong Senate candidate. And these are both guys who are leaning a little bit more into the conservative wing of the conservative movement in the Republican Party. And Josh says, we got to impeach Joe Biden. This has been a colossal failure in leadership by both the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, as well as the generals. A few major missteps and complete botches of the withdrawal. We're actually in a situation now where I believe Biden deserves to be impeached. Unlike, you know, unlike Trump, the Trump impeachments were complete politics and you know political theater, whereas Biden has blood on his hands. I mean, this guy is responsible for the blood of young men and women, and leaving behind this biometric system is just one level on a multitude of, of, of failures. Okay, so what Josh is saying here is the same sort of thing that many Republicans are saying. Commentators, pundits, ex-officials, politicians, candidates, they're all saying, look, the Trump impeachment was stupid because Trump didn't deserve to be impeached. But Joe Biden does deserve to be impeached. And you say, okay, well, what's the difference? Well, Joe Biden deserves to be impeached because he's done a really, really, really bad job. I agree. Joe Biden is doing a really, really, really bad job. But I don't agree that he should be impeached, both on the constitutional level and also on the practical level. I I said this until I was blue in the face during the Trump impeachment. During the Trump impeachments, I forget, there are two of them. And I'm going to say it again now because I'm going to be consistent, unlike some of my Republican (laughs) friends and allies You don't impeach a president over maladministration. Doing a bad job is actually not grounds for impeachment. Now, I know in, in, in real life these days, at least for the past 30 years or so, yeah, a little bit less than that, we 
we now impeach people for doing a bad, we impeach them for anything. It's just a purely political process. But that's not what the constitution says. In the constitution, impeachment is not supposed to be a purely political process that you, where you can just get rid of a president because he does a bad job. No matter how bad a job, I mean, let's say the worst job possible, let's say he's got the blood of 13 Americans on his hands. You impeach a president for high crimes and misdemeanors. What is the crime? What crime did he commit? He armed the Taliban. Uh-huh. Sort he didn't, it's not as though he signed over the gear. The Taliban got the, the weapons because of the incompetence of the political decisions and the American withdrawal. That's not a crime. Well, he didn't secure Kabul. Yeah, I agree. He should have secured Kabul. He should have taken the Taliban's offer to let the Americans secure Kabul. He shouldn't have let the Taliban give security of Kabul over to the Haqqani network, which is now part of the Taliban, but used to be a separate thing. And it was actually one of the largest recipients of CIA funding during the Cold War, at least in Afghanistan, through the ISI in Pakistan, which also used to be our ally, but it's not our ally anymore. And actually ended up paying the Haqqani network to kill, to, to attack the CIA. It's a bungle. It's a bungle actually gone further back than Joe Biden, but he bears responsibility, but it's not grounds for impeachment. I always hear from my, from my often squishier Republican friends that we've got to be consistent. We can't, you know, we got to treat Trump the same way we would treat Biden. And frankly, I don't even agree with that. But as a matter of, I think that we, we have a team and I think that we ought to give a little more grace to our side, but just as a matter of constitutional literacy, I don't see the high crime or misdemeanor that Joe Biden has committed. And then at the practical level, beyond the constitutional, do you want President Harris? I don't want President Harris. I think President Harris is a, is a bad idea. I think that would be worse for the country than bumbling Joe, who doesn't know what his name is, who doesn't know what day it is. I, I suspect, by the way, Joe, Joe Biden's poll numbers are tanking right now. Leave him in there. Let those poll numbers tank. Let them tank all the way through 2022. If they keep tanking, let them go through 2024. I'm not denying, I'm not saying I'm pure as the newly driven snow when it comes to matters of political advantage, at, you know, in the federal government. But it seems right now to the benefit of the constitutional order, to the benefit of Republicans' political chances, to the benefit of our public policy, to keep Kamala Harris out of there and to keep Joe Biden in. Just don't think it's a good, I I get why people are angry. They have every right to be angry. But when we get angry, sometimes we make bad decisions. And I think we need to keep our, our wits about us. I think it's better just to beat Joe Biden at the ballot box, if that is possible. That's a big caveat because we're, we're not allowed to say that there was anything wrong with the 2020 election. So I'm not Google. Do you hear me? Facebook, Twitter. I'm not saying that there were there was anything wrong with the 2020 election. It was to, it was the to, it was the fairest election ever. Okay, <laughs> you hear that? But okay, but uh, we've just got reports that there lo- there look like there are problems with about 44,000 absentee ballots in Georgia. Huh? That's weird. Because I was told everything was totally fine in Georgia, even though on election night and in the week after, I was calling it and saying, you know, Georgia. Looks pretty shady there. Looks like there's some weird stuff going on. And we already found out that in just one batch of ballots in, in just one county in Georgia, you had double counting going on, affected 
possibly 4,000 ballots. We already, we saw that. We know that for a fact. So now we're talking about 44,000 ballots. Ballot transfer forms for nearly 44,000 ballots in DeKalb County, Georgia, were either incomplete or were not filled out in a timely manner by the time that it was due, according to an analysis performed by the Georgia Star News. There were issues with with around 44,000 ballots, 43,907, out of 61,731 absentee ballots cast via Dropbox in DeKalb in the 2020 election. So two-thirds of the ballots in this county, more than two-thirds of the ballots in this county, we can't really account for. You don't have the ballot transfer forms, or you don't have them completed, or you don't have them in, in according to the, the way that they were supposed to be filled out. And do we think it's just these, first of all, Biden barely won Georgia. If, if you're of the opinion that Biden won Georgia fair and square and it was all totally clean, he, he certainly didn't do it by much. And so now we're saying, okay, 44,000 ballots here are, are suspect in just one county. What about the other counties? Stinks to high heaven for me. This, there, what is the issue with the ballot transfer? There was an emergency rule uh, passed by the state election board that said, it was renewed in July of 2020, uh, that you fill out the ballot transfer forms, which are chain of custody documents. They're meant to accompany every batch of absentee ballots picked up at the drop boxes. And yet these, these weren't filled out. So where did the ballots come from? Who filled them out? How secure were they? Seems a little dodgy to me because then if anything happens, if there's any question about the ballots, you can't go back and say, okay, well, who picked them up? When were they picked up? What, what was going on here? No. No one is allowed to raise any questions about whether or not Joe Biden got more votes than anyone anywhere ever. This guy. Thanks for joining me. I'm here. Uh, uh, the FEMA director is on. Uh, uh, Female director Chris Wells, she, she's on, and I'm here with uh, with my senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very very well, man. That guy, Joe Biden, who did who did not com- campaign when he did campaign, 18 people showed up. He's got his mask hanging off his face. He doesn't know where he is. He's forgetting people's names. He's like, I'm here and I'm where. And, oh, and then he calls this black advisor boy. That was that's that's just the cherry on top of the Sunday. And I'm here with, hey boy, what's your name, boy? Um, huh? And FEMA? It's FEMA? Why? Oh, right, because there's that, there's that superstorm. That's, ah, uh, huh, huh. That guy. If you question whether or not that guy got more votes than anyone ever and beat Donald Trump by the greatest number of votes ever, it's, it, was a, it was a landslide then you're a terrorist. You're undermining our democracy. If you raise any questions about election laws not being followed, you're, you're an insurrectionist undermining democracy. I don't, do people buy that anymore? I don't. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month 
can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Preborn fundraises separately for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and donate right now. Subscribe and start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. If you want the news that no other media outlet covers, then I highly recommend you sign up for Daily Wire Reader's Pass. If you sign up today, you will get a free four-week trial. You'll unlock exclusive access to editorial content that just does not exist anywhere else. After that trial's up, the price is just four bucks a month. That's nothing. Less than a cup of coffee at most fancy coffee places. Actually, it's less than a cup of coffee even at the cheap coffee places because of Bidenflation. Sign up right now for your Reader's Pass, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Hurry, because our four-week free trial ends today, August 31st. We'll be right back with a lot more. Joe Biden just got in a little bit of trouble. It's not real trouble. It's like fake trouble on the right. It's among conservatives. I bet people on the left didn't even see this clip, but but Joe Biden was uh, discussing the superstorm. He was discussing the FEMA director, and then he referred to a senior advisor of his who is black as boy. He's a boy who knows Louisiana, and you're not supposed to call black people boy because this was... uh, derogatory back, way back in the day. And now people don't even really remember that, but Joe Biden is a racist. See, that's what, that's what we're supposed to say. That's what we're supposed to conclude from this. No, you know what we're, the first thing we're supposed to say is if a Republican ever called a black advisor, boy, oh gosh, could you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot? Could you imagine the outrage? But there's not outrage because the left, they're hypocritical. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. If a Republican did that, it would be a big outrage and be all in the news and he'd be called a racist. But Joe Biden did it. And so he's not called a racist. And so, so what? So what? Everybody knows that Joe Biden didn't mean anything by it. Nobody thinks that Joe Biden is, you know, a Klansman or something. Nobody believes it. It's all just fake. By the way, the libs don't care when you call them racist. They don't care. The libs who actually do favor racial discrimination in the law, the libs who actually do think there ought to be a racial caste system, the libs who, if racism has any meaning whatsoever anymore, are racist. They don't care. But we do care. We conservatives do care. It's the worst thing you can be called in America today. If you're a conservative, at least. You could be ostracized, you could lose your job, you could lose your reputation if you're a racist. And so we really, you know, if, if a Republican actually said, oh man, this, this boy, man, I love this boy. So you, who are you calling boy? Oh no, I'm not a racist. Please don't call me a racist. I think we got to stop caring about that. Racism, if it has any meaning at all, is uh, hatred of people on the basis of their race, right? So if you're not that, that, that's an offense against human dignity. So that's why it's wrong. 
And it's simple. So if you're not doing that, then who cares if they call you a racist or they, I mean, they called Ronald Reagan a neo-Nazi, okay? And George Bush and Donald Trump. And they're going to do it to Ron DeSantis or Ted Cruz. They've already done it to Ted Cruz. They're doing it to Josh Hawley. They're going to do it to whoever is the next guy. So who cares? Who cares? I just, I think we need to stop wasting our breath on this stuff. Okay. I mean, it's funny because I'm now talking about it, but I'm, I'm talking about it as a political strategy. I'm not, I'm not talking about it as though Joe Biden is now the leader of the Ku Klux Klan or something like that. Cause he's not, it's just, it's a cheap political attack. No one really believes at least of all the left. They're the ones who invented the attack. So just cut it out. Okay. Everything's racist, even anti-racism. So, you know, <laughs> I, I know it's complicated, but there was racism, right? And then there was not being a racist. So you're either a racist or you're not a racist. But then in the last few years, that's not good enough. It's not good enough to be not a racist. We hear from Ibram Kendi and Robin D'Angelo and all the other hustlers. So now you, you got to be an anti-racist. But then what I just learned yesterday, this one's going to shock you, is that anti-racism is racist. Trish Farley, she's a white woman who uh, I met when I joined, when I started working with the People's Institute of Survival and Beyond. And um, she calls herself, and I'm borrowing this from her, but it just, she calls herself a racist anti-racist. And I really <laughs> love that term as a white woman because, again, you know this, and you know, for those people familiar with the People's Institute, the definition of racism, as defined by them, is race prejudice plus power equals racism. So in that definition, I, I am, as a white person, a racist. It doesn't mean that I'm purposely, that my beliefs are purposeful and I'm doing things on purpose. And yet I can't be a white person living in the society and not be benefiting from racism. So I, I kind of, so I love that term of, you know, I'm a racist, anti-racist. I'm a racist, anti-racist. So what she's saying, she actually didn't define it precisely, even according to her own kooky definition. She is saying that you need power. It's not just enough to have racial prejudice. Black people might hate white people, but, but we're defining black people as not having any power here. So they can't be racist. You need, you need power in order to be racist. So the only racists, according to this definition, because white people are defined as the only ones with power, the only racists are white people. But she goes further. She doesn't just say that all racists are white people. She's saying all white people are racists. That even she, as an anti-racist, is a racist because white people can never overcome their racism, even if they become very conscious of it, even if they become activists on anti-racism, they still can't overcome their racism, which implies to me that maybe we should just give it up then. Who cares? If, if it's not possible, if all white people are racist and they cannot ameliorate this in any way, they can't overcome it, then all right, I guess that's just how we are. Okay. Where, where's the nearest hood? Because I'm told by reliable sources that I, there's no way to overcome it. So why would I try if you're telling me it's a futile attempt? But, but more, there's something even stupider about what she's saying, which is that it violates Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. You can't, two, two contradictory things cannot simultaneously be true. Two mutually contradictory things can't at the same time be true. I cannot at the same time be a racist and an anti-racist. It's not possible. I, I can't do it. Just like a, uh, this, this leftist here's Tumblr, cannot at the same time be black and white. 
right? To, to, to keep with our color and hue analogy. It can't at the same time be black and white because those are mutually exclusive things. They would contradict one another. It's not gray, right? It's not, it's, it's either one or the other. Something cannot at the same time be true and false. It has to be one or the other, but they don't know that. They don't know that. So it's all racist. It's all anti-racist. It's all, it's lunacy. It's lunacy. And th- this is why, by the way, when you hear about critical race theory or you hear about some of this activism in the schools, one thing that keeps cropping up in all the pamphlets and all the lessons and all the PowerPoints is this idea that there is no objective truth. You, you remember that in, in one of the anti-racist pamphlets from the Smithsonian, they said that objective truth, reality, reason, uh, these are white supremacist dog whistles. <laughs> Why? It's not just a funny quirk of, of this activism. This activism, this ideology must undermine objective truth. It must undermine logic. It must undermine reason. Because if you have logic, if you have reason, if there is objective truth, then the ideology doesn't make sense. If there is such a thing as logic, then you cannot be an anti-racist racist, racist anti-racist. Ist, ist, anti-anti, this, that, and the other thing. Now, speaking of woke lunatics, this is not just affecting the weird videos on YouTube. It's not just affecting obviously neurotic, hysterical, liberal white women, <laughs> or I guess the host of that was a black woman, but it's not, it's not just affecting affluent <laughs> suburban middle-class libs. It's affecting our children everywhere. There was a, a gal who just went, went viral, <laughs> thanks to our friends at Libs of TikTok. Uh, she, she posted a TikTok. She's a teacher. And she says, you know, in the class, my kids are, you know, they're supposed to say the Pledge of Allegiance, at least in some schools, you're still supposed to do that. But we don't have an American flag in our class. We've got a very different flag. During third period, we have announcements and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it. Don't stand if you feel like it. Say the words if you want. Don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand, but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there, but I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away and I don't know where, and I haven't found it yet. <laughs> but my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I gotta find it. Like I'm working on it, I got you. In the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one? <laughs> and it's the pride progress flag, which is different. It's not just the rainbow flag. It's the rainbow flag with a bunch of other colors and it makes it like a racial thing. And it's a flag to the uh, uh, allegedly universal radical leftist ideology. Okay. There was a, I think he calls himself a conservative columnist, but he's much more either centrist or really center left. Connor Friedersdorf, I believe is his name. And he, he came out and posted on Twitter about this. And he said, you know, this is cancel culture. Stop shaming this random teacher. This is, we shouldn't, we conservatives shouldn't be engaging in cancel culture. And I think that is a, that is not right. I think that's a very, 
I hate to be harsh. I think that's a very shallow take. As, as you know, in my book, Speechless, number one national bestseller, thanks to all of you who ordered the book and read it, appreciate it. I think that the way we talk about cancel culture is very silly because all cultures cancel. All cultures have standards and taboos. If a culture pledges allegiance to one flag, which is a symbol of a country, it's a symbol of a way of life, it's a symbol of certain values and traditions, then it is necessarily excluding other values, traditions, nations, ways of life. If you pledge allegiance to one flag, you are excluding other flags. This teacher has made a decision. She is not going to put the American flag in her classroom. She doesn't like America. She doesn't think her students should have any particular allegiance to America. She thinks that that students should have allegiance to radical leftism, which ought to replace America. It's, it's a flag that's not, it's not a national flag, the, the pride progress flag. It's an imperial flag. It's saying that these values, this, this idea is true everywhere on earth. It's just as true and just as good as, and just as valid in Timbuktu as it is here. Whereas that would not be the case for the American flag, a national flag. So she says, that's what you're going to pledge your allegiance to. Hee hee hee, giggle, giggle, giggle. This is a woman who is paid presumably by our tax dollars. She is a citizen of our country. She has obligations to our country. She's, she's educating a generation of children and she's doing a very poor job of it. She's educating them in the wrong way, a way that is not satisfactory, not acceptable for future Americans. And she should be fired. She should be canceled. It's good. It's really good to cancel some people and some things. As, as Bill Buckley said, if a, if a Nazi were teaching sociology at Yale, when he was fired, no one would call it cancel culture, okay? And we, we understand that that's true for things on the far right or politically unclassifiable things. But we, we don't accept that that's true for things on the left. And the left does understand that, which is why the left has taken over the whole culture and has really taken over our whole politics. That teacher should be fired. That video should go viral. She should at the very least be reprimanded. That flag should be ripped down and desecrated, the Pride Progress one. And she should be forced to put the American flag up there. And then those students should be forced to stand up and pledge allegiance to their country. And if they don't like their country, they can either get out when they're little kids, so they probably need their parents to go get out. Or if they don't like their country, and a lot of people are a little upset with our country right now, then they need to make it better. But they have an obligation to it because it's their country. And, and we have an obligation to our families and to our communities and to our states and to our country. And we have a responsibility to make our country a little bit better. Now, it's not all bad news with teachers these days. We're getting a lot of bad news out of the classroom. The teacher unions, oh my gosh, that, that's a complete disaster. The teacher unions are uh, shut down all of, all of the schools or a great many of the schools for, for much of last year. But the teachers themselves, they're fighting back. They're fighting back against keeping the schools shut down. They're fighting back against liberal governments. And specifically, they're fighting back against all these COVID mandates mask, vax mandates coming out of New York City. New York City, public school teachers protesting their government's liberal policies. New York City teachers take to, I can't, I can't quite, I guess it's around City Hall. Is that around like Brooklyn Bridge City Hall? I think I used to live right around there. The New York City public school teachers take a listen to what they're chanting. USA! 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 
for the DOE and they're telling us that we can't come to work unless we're fully vaccinated. And we worked all year without a vaccine. Our children were protected. This we wore masks, we social distance. We've done everything that we've been asked. And we worked during an entire pandemic and we were okay. So now they're switching things up on us and we're angry. I'm a centrist, I like liberty, and I would teacher. prefer to die a free man. I am prepared to end this now, and I am officially announcing my exit from the UFT. I love that this lady's got a baby on her. Get the little image. So your question was, am I prepared to lose it all? And the answer is yes. Because I There's another do teacher. not believe that this is just about a vaccine. I do not believe that this is just about our health. This is about medical freedom. This yeah, is about totalitarianism. That's right. that's right. Bingo, baby. Totally right. So these are New York City teachers. These are people who work for the Department of Education. These are left-wingers in some ways. You saw, by the way, you saw the rainbow flag up there, not the pride progress flag, but the other, the, the old pride flag, the rainbow flag. These are people in New York City. Something tells me that these are not die-hard, rock-ribbed Republicans, okay? But they're recognizing this isn't about a vaccine. This isn't about an epidemic. This is about medical freedom. This is about our right as people and educators to make medical decisions for ourselves, especially when you're, when you're making a prudential judgment, right? When you're looking at an, an experimental drug that doesn't particularly stop transmission of the virus, doesn't particularly stop infection of the virus, but it does ostensibly mitigate some of the worst effects of the virus, which we're not really at risk of because we're generally young, healthy people over here. So they're, they're using their, their common sense. I can say this as a New Yorker. A lot of people d- do not believe this or they're just not familiar with it. There is a weird kind of conservatism to New York. And I think this weird kind of conservatism that is not Republican, that probably didn't vote for Trump, that, that is not, they wouldn't call themselves conservative. I think it's true of a lot of places in America. Okay. What you're going to hear if, if the story even comes up is that, oh yeah, it was just some right wing teachers that showed up. Do those teachers look or sound right wing to you? They don't to me. And and this video is not from some right wing provocateur. It's from the Associated Press. It's from a left wing news outlet. There's this common sense, even in New York, where you say, you know, don't, don't make me take this experimental drug for a cough that doesn't really threaten me all that much. Yes, I know that there's some risk. I'm willing to assume that risk. Okay. That's, that's, I'm, I'm making a judgment and I'm not crazy. All right. And actually I think I've got better judgment than the Fauci's of the world. Actually, I think I've got better judgment than the Biden's of the world. So leave me alone. Okay. Leave me alone. Look, we're, we're, we're all in this together. We're all, you know, we're all Americans. We're all New Yorkers. We've got some kind of solidarity, but on this issue, this just seems like a little too much to me. I think that's true of a lot of people. And I think you saw them. Donald Trump got a fair number of these people throughout the country in 2016. And Ronald Reagan got a fair number of them in 1980. It's not the bow tie wearing think tank, ideological, rigid conservative. It's just a little bit of common sense. That is the hope. That's the hope for the country. By the way, our, our wonderful administrative agencies, the public health experts, 
they're saying some things that don't seem totally true. So the, the CDC on, on Monday, just yesterday, claimed that there were no deaths reported in young people due to heart inflammation conditions, which is a known and acknowledged side effect of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. That is obviously not true. Now, the CDC might say, well, look, we haven't proven that any of these are directly related. That, I guess that would be true if they haven't proven it. But on this show, we talked in July about how the CDC was investigating the death of a 13-year-old boy who died suddenly in his sleep two days after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. His preliminary autopsy findings showed that his heart was enlarged when he died and there was fluid around his heart, which is the side effect that is acknowledged even by the CDC. So sure, you want to tell me there's no proven 100% certain evidence that this is killing young people by enlarging their hearts after they took the vaccine. Okay, you can tell me that if you want, but don't tell me that it's not being reported. It is being reported and you people acknowledged it. Last month, you acknowledged it. Is, is, is the memory hole that effective that now we forget things that you said one month ago? This is why people don't trust you. This is why even liberal New York City school teachers are coming out and saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. Now, speaking of public health, this kind of, this really ties it together. Joe Biden, amid all the crazy national problems, is launching a new office of the Department of Health and Human Services to confront climate change. Hmm? What? Why? Huh? Didn't, I didn't think that the sun monster was really affecting my health. I didn't think that was in the purview of health and human services, but that's what he's doing. It's the office of climate change and health equity, quote, to address the impact of climate change on the health of the American people and establish an interagency working group to decrease the risk of climate change. Okay. As I have, you know, I hate to say, I told you so, as I've told you from the beginning of this epidemic, public health is the perfect way for the left to impose its will on the American people to subvert the constitutional order, to grab a lot of power. Because public health can mean anything. And public health is not run by the people. It's just run by a handful of egghead experts who are unaccountable. So then everything becomes public health. Just like everything's infrastructure now, everything's part of public health. Climate change was always effective for them in this regard too, because it's an unfalsifiable hypothesis. And it does not count on the, the decision-making powers of the people. It's, it's only about the decisions of experts. The Taliban just came out. They said they're going to work to confront climate change. Why? Because it's an effective power grab. And that's what's going on. That's been going on for 18 months and it's been going on longer than that. And the left is very effective at that. They might, they might botch evacuations. They might botch their following of the constitutional process in elections and elsewhere but they're pretty good at taking power. And I think we need to get good taking that power back. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. 
Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, American troops leave Afghanistan and leave hundreds of Americans, thousands of green card holders, and tens of thousands of Afghan allies behind. The Biden White House pats itself on the back for a job well done. And the Taliban are flying around our helicopters. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 